0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here's Rodney Hood lobbed to the rim! Rudy's high! And Rudy throws down two right out of the shoot. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz on the 16th of November, numbers for the first 10 games for the jazz and the rest of the nba we'll look at those things phil jackson truly offensive but not really surprised about it we'll talk about that plus look at what the jazz have upcoming all coming up on today's edition of locked on jazz Pow! how are you i'm david Locke. wait one second this is really weird i'll tell you what just happened I'm the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Actually, I just wonder, I have an ear of my headphones that maybe something has just gone wrong on uh, my headphones. Might have worn out, but it sounds all funny today, and I just switched it around thinking that it had to do with the fact that I had my microphone on the wrong side. But that is not what it is. It's just something wrong on the headphones. So this is a really weird show right now because it's reverberating into the – my – Uh, it's reverberating into my ears a little bit. Ah, this is crazy. All right, hope you're great. Thanks for tuning in. As I said, I am David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every. Day Now I feel a little bit better. At least I've got the show off the same way. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I always appreciate it. Uh, The Locked On Podcast Network has a ton of really interesting things uh, going on. The Blazers get blown out last night. Eric Gunderson's got a little take on that for you. So lots of of different things uh, taking place on the show for you each and every day. Today's show is brought to you by my friends at Sherlock Intelligence. Sherlock Intelligence. They do great work. They're out of Bountiful, Utah. They're a local company, and what they do is they go collect the data for you so that you can compete with the big boys. Think about it as Moneyball for business, right? Okay. So they capture the data. They then let you visualize the data, and then they help you analyze the data. So if you're the Oakland A's and you're in the Major League Baseball, you're playing around with Moneyball. You're trying to play the game in a fashion so that you can compete with the big boys. How do you do it? You look for every single edge you can get. So why wouldn't you just do that with your business? That's exactly what Sherlock Intelligence does for you. It allows you to compete with... With the big boys, or by using them, if you're a middle or small business owner, Sherlock Intelligent comes in, and they do what, what the big boys do with these mass huge groups for you, and they help you analyze your business so that you can know your customers better, find their patterns, and grow your profits. Check it out. It's really a neat company. They do really good work. Ryan and the crew over, Curtis and the guys over there, uh, do a lot a lot of work. So if you don't have the resources that the big teams have, right, and you've got to do something to disrupt the industry, so therefore you use Sherlock Intelligence and their analytics guys to help your business grow. So check it out. Sherlockintelligence.com, 855-339-7774. 855-339-7774. Do more with less. Compete with the big boys. Find more profitable mechanisms. Increase your revenue. Maximize your profits. And thank Locked on Jazz and Sherlock Intelligence for getting you there. All right, I'm fired up now. I'm really just trying to fight through the fact that one of my ears is reverberating in a really weird fashion. And I'm doing it with excessive energy to try to fight through. So I hope you can handle... That along the way. All right, let's get uh, let's get to our pins across the world. You can always email me at dlock09 at com and send me your latest pin. I want to know where you are listening to the show from and how you became a jazz fan. And I have a lot of pins, but I also see the numbers to the show right now. And, no, I don't have all of your pins, so I would love it. Let's go to Blake Henderson. My name is Blake Henderson. I live in Washington D.C., just outside Reston, Virginia. This was sent to me in November of last year. This was actually a year ago today it was sent. I recently moved out from Heber City area in Midway after living in Salt Lake my whole life and being an avid jazz fan since the days of watching the Mailman on Jazz TV. My grandpa has been a season ticket holder since the days of the Salt Palace, and I can remember attending games with him while we held my he held my held my neck to get up the stairs. He had muscular dystrophy, so it was difficult for him to walk. But he loved the upper bowl because he didn't have to move his head when the play went back and forth. Okay, now I understand that. My grandpa recently passed away in January. And with him in the 30 seasons as an oil season ticket holder of the Jazz. I've been listening to the podcast since it Began way back, and I've been a daily part of my commute. I enjoy the in-depth perspective, statistical analysis. You better like the stats because today's a pack day. Even more so, the report from the inner workings of the team. Perspectives unmatched. Your dedication thoroughly appreciates. It's a blast to watch the team uh, rebuild. Uh, he, he has a pack note. On another note, I've noticed that you have your pack analysis for offensive and- uh, by using the same statistic for defense. I cannot come up with a defensive pack, by the way. So that is Blake Henderson. He's now in Reston, Virginia, just outside of beautiful Washington, D.C., one of the great places in our country. Uh, all right. Sorry, I just got a weird email there like from someone who's complaining that Gordon Hayward is not LeBron James, Kevin Durant, or Russell Westbrook. Alright, shut up. Like, okay, great. Like, you're right. How about that? Is that better than shut up? You're right. All right, let's get into PAC. Um, For those who are new to this, PAC is the uh, offensive system that I use to evaluate players in the NBA. It evaluates your ability to use a possession. So I think that's a real skill. To be able to get shots off is a real skill. Usage rate deserves some value. If you use the possession above the league average. Now most of these systems out there look at a player in something in this kind of thing called replacement level. And what PAC does is PAC looks at above the league average. And a huge part of the model is that the league is that if you want to have a championship caliber team, what you are going to end up having to have is almost everybody on your team has to be all but probably one above the league average in pack. Also, it kind of shows you how great some of the uh, the best players are. So what we're going to do today is is walk you through, I'll give you an explanation, pack and then we'll look at the Jazz players so far uh, and what they're doing, and then uh, we'll look at some of the league best and worst uh, for the show today. Uh, Pat, so let me give you an example. Uh, Rudy Gobert right now is using uh, about, let me see, better. Gordon Hayward actually is a better example. He's using 20 scoring opportunities a game right now. It's a lot. So you take Gordon Hayward and you take the average player in the NBA and you take 20 offensive scoring opportunities and Gordon Hayward right now is scoring .9 points more per game than the average player in the league. So his pack rating is .9. Does that make sense? So if you give Gordon Gordon 20 scoring opportunities right now, he's averaging .9 points more than what the average player in the league would do. Okay? Now, is that good? Is that bad? What does that mean? Well, let me try to give you a perspective on what's good and what's bad uh with PAC. Because that's uh PAC per these are per game numbers and the per game numbers if you look back to last season, the best in the league, and this is pretty universal, the, the best in the league, sorry I've got a um I'm trying to do a data sort right now uh, to have it, and for some reason, um, all right, there we go. I don't know why. Something weird's going on. Something weird in my system. Uh, so the best off the best players in the league are there's about usually about four or five that are pack above three per game. So if you're if you're above three per game in pack then you're great. Last year, obviously, Steph had the best offensive year we've had maybe historically, um, and we've looked at it before. And so Steph last year was a, was a 5.8. Why is my sort not working on my um, spreadsheet? It's really weird. Uh, so Steph was the best at 5.8. Kevin Durant was a 4.1. And those were the only players over three in the entire league last year, then you get about ten guys that are over two, and you usually get about thirty guys or so that are right about one or so. So that's the kind of way to think about pack. Is you have about three guys usually that are over three, you have about ten guys that are over two, and then uh, from there uh, you probably get about thirty guys uh, after that. So that that's that's the best way. Um, to look at pack The exact numbers last year, by the way, were that Durant and Steph were over two. Uh, about eight guys, I said, seven, eight guys were over two. And the final kind of number was 30 guys were around 30 guys were at 1.0. So Gordon right now at point nine is right in that top 30 offensive players in the league thus far. He's not hit. He had a bad night the other night. He's not hit. He's shooting 24% from three. Um, he's going to the free throw line, 12% of his possessions. So that looks, uh, that's why. So he's not, I mean, Gordon's averaging 23.7 rebounds, four assists, and he's not particularly efficient yet. He hasn't, hasn't made a huge jump. The best on the team right now is George Hill, who in his seven games is a 3.7. So that's playing at the top level of two or three players in the league. Probably not sustainable. Uh, for George last year in Indiana, uh, George was above average offensive player, but not dramatically above uh, it 's one of the reasons by the way why Pack did not love the jazz. Uh, when we did the projections this year, the way everybody else did, George was a .3 uh, in the 15-16 season, and in the six in the year prior in 14-15, when he carried a larger load, when you had the injuries and Paul George and everybody that was out, George Hill was a 1.2. So that's probably a more realistic. Maybe playing with these players in this system, he can be better than that. But he has started the year 3.7. Rudy Gobert is the second most impactful offensive player on the Jazz at 1.4. It's really quite good. Uh, Rodney Hood having a great start to the season is a 1.2. Last year uh, for the Jazz, uh, comparing Rodney Hood to what he was doing, and Rodney's just doing a lot of things really, really well right now, which is – uh, fun to watch. Last year Rodney was a dead even offensive player in the NBA, just straight even zero. So for Rodney to be up at 1.2, which is a big jump moving him into the top 30 offensive players in the league, it's just terrific. Rodney's going to line 8.1% of his possessions. That's the number that I talked about all offseason that really needs to increase, and if you look back at last year with Rodney, he was at 7.4. So it's increased a little, but not a lot the and his three-point uh, shooting, he's taking 35% of his shots as threes. Last year, he was at about 38%. So that seems to be uh, right about the same uh, so far. For Rodney, he's using 15 scoring opportunities a game. And a year ago, Rodney was using 13. So he's up a tiny bit, and his pack is better, which is just terrific. As I said, Gordon's at .9. Uh, last year, Gordon was at point six for the season. Joe Ingles is at point three. Joe Johnson is at point three. Joel Ballenboy has barely played point two. Dante is dead even, which is good because uh, if you look back to the 14-15 season, Dante was not an even offensive player. This is actually uh, a really good trend here uh, in year two. Rookies almost never have a positive pack. Dante was a negative .8 uh, in his... Uh, first year to have him be it even so far is really a, ter- is a great step. He's doing it a little bit because he's actually going to the free throw line. Uh, he's using 8% of his possessions to go to the free throw line. In his rookie year, he used 2.6. So that is a nice change for Dante. Shelvin is a minus 0. .3 pack player, which is really probably right about where he is. Last year for the season, he was a minus 0. .6. If you look at him uh, the year prior in Atlanta, uh, he was down in that area as well as a minus 0.5. So I think that's kind of where Shelvin is. The surprise so far is Derek, who's at minus 0.7. Derek has always been a pretty good pack player. Last year, Derek was 0.3. Uh, he's minus 0.7. Trey Lyles is a minus 1.9 right now. That's not great. And Boris Diaw is a minus, uh 0.2 or minus 2. So again, the best offensive player for the Jazz so far in the seven games he's played is George Hill. It's why, you know, and here just kind of, Talk about, like, the impact. So when George Hill leaves at 3.7, even if George Hill's just a 1 or a 1.2 and Shelvin Mack suddenly gets extended time and he's at a negative .3, that's a point and a half a game. Well, that's that's the difference between winning and losing games, right? I mean, that's that's kind of the reality of, uh, of just, you know, what, where injuries kick in and what happens. Rodney Hood's a 1.2. Dante Exum starts instead, and you suddenly lose to Memphis. Uh, so that's, you know, I, I think that's, uh, that's, you know, frankly, the the impact of those injuries. Uh, my takeaway here is obviously Derek is really, really struggling. Trey Lyles, who I think we know is struggling. Trey Lyles going to the free throw line 5.3% of his possessions, which is really low. Last year he went 6.7, uh, so he's actually down a little bit from last year. That's a little he, he should hopefully go to the line uh, somewhat more than that. Uh, Rudy's 1.4, I think, is is pretty exciting. Rudy, a year ago, this is kind of the jump I was talking about that makes the Jazz great this year, Rudy and Rodney making that jump. A year ago, Rudy was .6 and the best on the team to go to 1.4. Uh, makes a big jump. If Rudy were 1.4, uh, last year he would have finished right around 15th, most uh About 12th most impactful player in the league offensively. That's Dwight Howard, Jonas Valanciunas, Carl Anthony Towns, Ennis Cantor. Big guys that shoot really high percentages. Very high on the list. Last year, uh, the top 10 in the NBA uh, were Carl Anthony Towns, Ennis Cantor, DeAndre Jordan. Working reverse order. So 10 was... Ten was Ennis, nine was DeAndre Jordan, eight was Whiteside, seven was LeBron, six was Clay, five was Redick, four was Kawhi Leonard, three was Harden, two was Durant, and one was Steph. Uh, so, the when you when you see you know suddenly Rudy's one point four is great, right? Rudy's at one point four right now. That would move him if he holds that for the season. He moves into the top ten most fifteen most impactful players. Uh, in the NBA offensively. That's a big deal. Rodney's jump is a big deal. Uh Rodney, exactly as we you know, one Rodney goes to one point two. If he were to hold this for the season, here are the here are the guards better than him if he's a one point two. Kyle Lowry, Clay Thompson, JJ Reddick, James Harden, Steph Curry. Those are the only guards that were better than 1.2 uh, for the J- oh, for guards last year, right? So that I mean both the the storyline to me so far in this early year, second year starters, Rudy Gobert, Rodney Hood taking a major jump, Gordon will get going, and then the question is whether Favors gets right. But the and then you have George Hill having such a huge impact. So um, really good stuff all the way across. There, on the pack. All right, let's look at the NBA as a whole so far. No surprise, you know, we haven't been a lot of worried about Steph Curry, but if you haven't paid attention, Steph Curry's averaging 27 points a game, shooting 51% from the field and 47.5 from three. Last year, Steph Curry had a 5.8 pack rating. This year he has a 5.7. My numbers would say that Steph Curry is having simply just as good a year as he did a year ago. Kevin Durant, who last year was a 4.1, is at 5.3, and James Harden is at a 5.1. Now these will these will mellow out because last you only use if you go back over the years we have not you only have. uh you only have three or four players that are over three every year. It's a single game in stat, right? So two years ago, it was Durant at 4.0, Steph at 3.9, and Harden at 3.2. Only three guys above that. In the 2013-14 season, Durant was at 4.7, LeBron was at 4.5, and Harden was at 3.2. So you almost never have more than three guys above three. And in the early going, we have ten. Uh, Jay Crowder's played three games, and Will Barton's played three games, so we may have eight. So Steph's at 5.7. Durant is at 5.3. Harden at 5.1. So those three guys, otherworldly. Dame Lillard is at 4.2. Kemba Walker at 3.9. What an incredible evolution of a game by Kemba Walker, who... Was really not a very good offensive player. Jimmy Butler has not been particularly efficient. Is a three point nine. He's been un, he's been great. George Hill three point seven. Chris Paul three point three, and then you're out of the threes. Isaiah Thomas uh, comes next after that. Uh, Lucas Nor- uh, Noriega out of uh, Toronto. C.J. Miles playing very very well right now. He's shooting forty four percent from forty nine percent from three. Uh, Mike Muscala playing very well for Atlanta. Keep an eye on that. A little surprising. Didn't know that. Shooting Kawhi Leonard at 2.3. Demar DeRozan at 2.1, which is amazing since he's only taking 6% of his shots from three. Zach Levine at 2.1. Anthony Davis, 1.9. DeMarcus Cousins, 1.9. Chris Porzingis 1.9. Mozgov, 1.8. Otto Porter, 1.8. Rudy Gay, 1.8. Roy Hibbert, 1.7. Miles Turner 1.7, Eric Gordon 1.7, Andrew Wiggins 1.7, Nick Young there as well uh, in that group, and I could keep going. Let's go to the bottom side of this and see which guys are really scuffling in the NBA. Justice Winslow, Deion Waiters, the two worst offensive impactful players in the NBA. Wesley Matthews right there as well, 29% from the field, 25% from three. That's terrible. Ish Smith playing for Reggie Jackson. That tells you when Detroit gets Reggie Jackson back, they'll be completely different. Josh McRoberts, Troy Daniels, Rajon Rondo, a minus three. That's why Chicago may have played so well without him last night. Al Farouk Aminu is out for a little while. For Portland, is at a minus 2.7. Dirk at a minus 2.7. Tony Allen has not played much. Mario hezenga has been on the bench. Emmanuel Moutier is still struggling. Last year was one of the three worst players um, in the league, and uh, he's again minus 2.5. Brandon Knight coming off the bench for Phoenix at minus 2.5. Nikolai Vukovic in Orlando at a minus 2.5. Justin Anderson minus 2.4 for Dallas, not good. Sergio Rodriguez in Philly. Patrick Patterson minus 2. Bradley Beal minus 2.1 in the seven games he's played. That's not good. Ty Lawson minus 2.1. Boris minus 2.0. Mark, Michael Carter Williams continues to struggle. He's only played three games before he got hurt, but he healed the rookie at minus two as is Wade Baldwin. So um, those are the kind of guys anybody else. Derek Rose is still hovering at minus 1.7 Paul Millsap surprisingly in the minus one areas uh, along the way Devin Booker minus 1.4 despite all the uh, big numbers he's putting up. He's that's worth keeping an eye on. Kyle Lowry minus 1.4 for Toronto. A little surprised to see that. So those are the numbers uh, out there for you Unpack. Uh Jazz did not practice yesterday. They are uh, hanging out and uh, back at work today. Hopefully a little rested, ready to go against a Chicago team that was brilliant last night. I wonder if you can get at all concerned about Portland. You shouldn't lose by 20 at home. They're really a terrible rebounding team. I was going to look into this today uh, of whether or not being as bad a rebounding team as Portland is, is matters. Portland is 28th in offensive rebounding and 29th in defensive rebounding. I'm not sure I've seen many teams – that bad in both, and what the impact of it. Right now, Portland's defensive rating is 27th in the NBA. I think they should be a little concerned. 12 games into the year, to be 27th in the league defensively, I mean, I know they're 7-5, and five and still in first place. Their wins are against us on opening night without favors in Hayward. Denver. Dallas, Memphis, Phoenix, Sacramento, and Denver. Their losses are against the Clippers, the Warriors, Phoenix, the Clippers, and Chicago. So, you know, this is what they did last year is they beat every team that was below five hundred and lost every team that was above five hundred. I guess what I would say is the early indication on Portland is that there's just nothing different. Here's a big stretch to me that Portland's about to play. This is where Portland last year... Not at this point of the season, but they had a soft schedule run where they made hay. They have another one coming up here, and I don't. But I'm not sure that they're in a spot to make hay. They have a brutal schedule between now and December 20th. Between now and December 20th, Portland goes on a five-game road swing, which is Houston, New Orleans. When do they play Houston? They play Houston Thursday night. We play Houston on. Saturday. Houston, New Orleans, Brooklyn, Knicks, and Cleveland. So they should really win three of five. They come home for a whole week of, new, of games they should win. New Orleans, Houston, Indiana, Miami. They should win all of them. So now all of a sudden they should feel good. They should be, have won eight of their last ten and be rolling before they go back on the road to Chicago, Milwaukee, Memphis, Indiana, and then to the Clippers before coming home on a back end of a back-to-back and going back out the next day to Denver, Golden State, Sacramento brutal if they can stay above water between now and december 20th then they're going to roll so keep an eye on portland here for a little bit otherwise last night i was trying to think if there's anything else on, that i watched last night that i wanted to comment on uh cleveland toronto lebron's incredible just you know what there was a point along the way where i just watched jordan every time i could like anytime you can watch lebron just watch him He he really might be the best there is uh, Atlanta gets a win over Miami, who's not good. Minnesota, that's a Minnesota's got to start winning here at some point. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is incredible, and Carl Anthony Towns is great. They're 3-7. and seven. Like, they have to. Zach Lowe on his podcast with David Thorpe kind of makes the point that the Pelicans are done because they just haven't won enough. Well, at some point, they got, they got to win, too. Uh, and they're not defending. At all. And then the Lakers win again. And that's a big those, those are the big games for the Lakers. Just not miss on those screw ups. Here are the five teams and six teams in the league that are not defending at all. Orlando, Sacramento, Portland, Minnesota, Philadelphia, and the Knicks are last in the league. Minnesota's fourth in the league offensively. Teams that can't score in the league are New Orleans, Dallas, Memphis, Orlando, Miami, and Philadelphia. All right, that is Locked on Jazz today, brought to you by my friends at Sherlock Intelligence. Let them play money ball for your company and take you to the next step. Sherlock Intelligence, visit SherlockIntelligence.com or call 855-339-7774. Jazz, late-nighter coming up against the Bulls tomorrow. Get your tickets. If you'd like to advertise on the program, email me at dlock09 at gmail.com. Have a good day. It's Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 17